welcome everyone uh, welcome to uh, the integrative oncology series of uh, there is always hope because that's what we all believe in always uh, no matter which stage of life we are in which stage of cancer we are in we always see a ray of hope and that's what keeps us motivated keeps us going forward in the in this journey of this whole new world of cancer so um, on the same lines um, we decided to uh, do a series on integrative oncology and the different aspects of it which is the medical treatment and with that the complementary aspects of healing so how can we uh, bring different modalities of healing together uh, so that we can improve the quality of life we can extend the life and we can cure uh, from this disease so today we have the host uh, dr pooja with us and i'm dimple parmar i'm the founder of uh, zenonco.io and lovels cancer we uh, guide cancer patients on uh, different uh, integrative oncology approaches uh, in terms of the medical treatment or the uh, the uh, ayurveda or it is with onco nutrition and the different aspects of healing which we all do when somebody is diagnosed with cancer in our family and i have with um, our host today um, uh, dr sujata so dr sujata over to you to introduce yourself So thank you so much Dimple. So welcome you all on this beautiful platform where we see that each one of us on who walk on earth has a right to have a joyous living. So the various aspects which comes to life and one of them could be the aspects which regards to diseases and cancer often seen as a dreaded disease by most of the people. They need to have a new insight, new possibilities with regards to healing them. It's not just healing, treating whatever way, but yes you have a right to live and you can do it. That with that motto we have come together that is zenonco.com and dr sujatha singhi to bring up this platform where we will have a plethora of experts experts coming in to share their knowledge their wisdom and give a new ray of hope as rightly said by dimple yes there is always a hope and where there is love there is always a cure so on to dr pooja i have to it's it's really a pleasure having dr pooja with us today Dr Dr Pooja Kachalia is a medical oncologist at Fox Chase Cancer Center with an interest in genital urinary oncology. She has led and designed several clinical trials and holds research grants in the field of urologic oncology. Her present research is focused on identifying epigenetic targets of the therapy in bladder and kidney cancers. She is also involved in translational effort aimed at studying epigenetic modifications as a biomarker of immunotherapy response. So we are looking forward to a very very insightful and a real ray of hope from a researcher who is going to show us how life can get better for the ones who feel that they are on the other edge of life. So a very warm welcome to Dr. Pooja Gatalia who is joining us from Philadelphia USA thank you so much and over to you dr pooja thank you dr singhi for uh, such a warm welcome um uh, my name is uh, pooja gatalia and uh, i'm a medical oncologist at fox chase cancer center um you know i uh, have lived in uh, india for most of my life and uh have come here since college and going forward so uh, it's a privilege for me to talk today to uh, my uh fellow men and women in india uh, and inform you about cancer awareness and treatment so today uh, i'm going to be focusing on what is cancer cancer prevalence in india what are the risk factors of cancer how do you reduce these risk factors some of the treatments for cancer some common myths for cancer 
coping with cancer. And then at the very end, uh, I'm going to be leaving a lot of question and answer uh, session time. I'm going to try to wrap up the uh, PowerPoint that I have before you in, uh, in about half an hour, and then we will have the remaining time available for question and answers. So what is cancer and, and how does cancer actually originate? So I'm going to show a simplistic format of that, although cancer formation and uh, development is a very complicated topic. Um, and probably the 30 minutes that I have is not going to be enough to show you the whole spectrum of it. So when people mention a cell, what exactly is a cell? So a cell is a basic unit of uh, you know, human life. And a cell is a structure in the body comprised of um, a cell membrane, which is the, uh, the covering, the outer of portion of the cell. And then inside the cell is the nucleus. And the nucleus contains the chromosomes. And you may have heard of words like DNA or genes. These are nothing but segments of chromosomes, which carry all the information necessary for the cell to grow, survive, and multiply. So normally, what happens is that when we are born, we, it, we begin with one cell, and then one cell multiplies into two, two into four, and so on. And that is how tissue is formed in the body. What is generally believed is that cancer cells also divide, but they have an uncontrolled way of dividing. So these are the normal cells that divide in a regulated fashion. And cancer cells lose that ability to control their proliferation or multiplication. And they don't, it's, they are like um, a naughty child who is not behaving and regulating uh, the behavior, and that leads to formation of cancer and growth and spread. So what's the difference between a normal cell and a cancer cell? So normal cells have a regulated cell division. They have programmed cell death. They respond to external growth and anti-growth signals. They have a balance between blood vessel development and cell need, and they have no tissue invasion. So what does that mean? Now in cancer cells, there's unregulated cell division. What that means is that the division of the cells, as I was mentioning before, is unregulated. So the cells sort of go crazy and keep dividing when they're not supposed to. Normal cells have programmed cell death which means that the lifespan of a cell, which may be a few days, a few weeks, and then the cell is supposed to die. But cancer cells have lost that breaks, sort of the control to, that allows it to uh, decide when it needs to die. Normal cells respond to external growth and anti-growth signals. So on, on these cell, for, for these cells to grow and multiply, there are signals that the cells receive where it, such that it knows that now it's time to grow and now it's time to not. And cancer cells lose that regulation. Normal cells have a balance between blood vessel development and cell need. So each cell, be it normal or cancerous, requires blood vessels to provide it nutrition and cancer cells have excessive blood vessel growth. And finally, cancer cells have a tendency to invade 
the organs. What that means is it likes to uh, grow beyond what it's allowed to and go to other parts of the body. In 2011, Hanahan and uh, et al. had published this uh, paper in uh, the journal Cell where they describe the hallmarks of uh, cancer progression. And I don't want to scare you by this figure over here, but basically what it shows is what I was mentioning before, that cancer cells have lost the ability to uh, determine when they should die, when they should stop growing, and they just replicate and try to invade into different organs um, uncontrollably. So um, in uh, 2019, there was an excellent publication that was presented in uh, the Lancet Oncology, which is one of the top journals, in which a group of Indian researchers, uh, they uh, published the incidence, meaning the prevalence, the number of cases of cancer in India. On the left is uh, the uh, map with uh, different states in India that have cancers in 1990. And on the right, it is from 2016. The darker shades, the, uh, the ones in orange and red, uh, represent higher number of cases. So about uh, 90 cases, 100 cases per 100,000, um, which demarca demarcates the red and orange, uh, whereas uh, the, the green and the blue cases are the lower ones. As you can see that in almost every state, there has been an increase in the incidence of cancers. Um, in this publication, they said that there is about an increase of 28% of cancers uh, in India when you compare from 1990 to 2016. Granted, this could just be related to greater detection because now there are better technologies available in India, but a lot of it is also related to the lifestyle changes and the westernization of the lifestyle that has happened in India in the past decade. In the same paper, they mentioned about what the top cancers uh, are in India. And on this left chart, you see the top five cancers that are present in India are stomach cancer, breast cancer, lung cancer, lip and oral cavity cancer, and pharynx cancer, which is basically cancer that is behind the oral cavity inside the mouth area. In women, the most common cancers are breast cancer, cervical cancer, Cervix is basically an organ that is present just below the uterus in women. And stomach cancer, these are the top three cancers. And in men, lung cancer, lip and oral cavity cancer, and pharynx cancer. And these three are all cancers related to smoking and tobacco, which is very prevalent in India. There is a comparison between the types of cancers that were more prevalent in 1990 versus 2016. So you can see that cervical cancer and stomach cancer incidence has actually gone down, which is great. And why would that be? So that may be related to uh, better availability of screening. So cervical cancer can be detected by pap smears in women, and that has increased in the recent decade. That's why the number of cases have gone down. And the cases of stomach cancer have gone down probably because of availability of more refrigeration and hygienic food available now. But you can see that the incidence of lip and oral cavity cancer has gone up and even breast cancer has gone up. And why may that be? One of the reasons why breast cancer has become more prevalent is because of better detection 
and also because of uh, women getting pregnant and having children at a much later age. The reason for lip and oral cavity cancer to be more is definitely because of greater use of tobacco, smoking, and alcohol use in the recent past. Now, a lot of patients ask me, why did I get cancer? What are the risk factors of cancer? And what I tell for most patients, we may not be able to identify any risk for cancer. We just tell patients it may be something in the environment or something that you may have been exposed to. But there are some risk factors that we do know about, which I'm going to present next in these slides. So age is a common risk factor for cancer. So cancer in general is a disease of aging. As these cells in our body multiply over time, errors accumulate in the DNA. And when these errors build up, it tends to increase the chance of getting cancer. So the median age for cancers is 66 years old. Older people get cancer. 25% of new diagnoses of cancer are in people between the ages of 65 and 74. Carcinogens, which means cancer-causing agents, damage the DNA that is present inside the cells of our body. And smoking, chewing tobacco, or secondhand smoke are some of the highest-causing sources of cancer. In the USA, 30% of cancer deaths are related to smoking, believe it or not. And some of the common cancers that are related to smoking are brain cancer, throat cancer, lung cancer, stomach cancer, liver cancer, pancreas cancer. In fact, almost every cancer can have a risk factor of smoking related to it. Some of the other causes of cancer could be something exposed in the environment. So this is not always identifiable. So we, you know, there are people who work in mining, welding, agriculture, which is very common in India, manufacturing, printing, the, the inks for that, that people get exposed to in the printing press, certain paints, all of these things are, uh, can be a risk for cancer. There's no way to test and directly see the association between these exposures and cancer. Um, but sometimes these paints or inks contain uh, chemicals like some of these heavy metals that you can see or benzene in it, which are commonly related to cancer. UV rays are, uh, can cause skin cancer, and that's why applying a sunblock when going out in the sun is very important. There are some viruses and bacteria that can cause cancer. I'm going to be coming back to this human papilloma virus, also called HPV, which is associated with some common cancers, and I'm going to be coming uh, back to that in a minute. Hepatitis B and C are now gradually going down because there is availability of vaccines for hepatitis B, but these viruses can cause liver cancer. Some, patient, some people ask about inherited cancers. So these are not very common, but about five to 10% of cancers are caused because of inherited mutations. So what does that mean? So as I mentioned before that, you know, this is a cell and inside the cell, there is this chromosome and DNA that's present. If you go deeper and look under the microscope, you may be able to uh, see some of the nucleotides that, are, that represent the DNA. And uh, in some patients, in about five to 10% of patients have 
mutations, which is basically errors in the DNA uh, inside these cancer cells. And patients sometimes have hereditary cancer syndromes where you can see that multiple people in the family have similar cancers. So for example, BRCA1 and BRCA2 are genes that can that are mutated in families and can cause cancers like breast cancer, ovarian cancer, prostate cancer, and pancreatic cancer that tend to run in the families. Now, a very common cause of cancer, or at least a link to cancer is excessive body weight. So in the United States, 20% of cancers have been associated with obesity. And unfortunately in India, because of the adoption of some of the Western lifestyle, now obesity is increasing and can be associated with the rise of cancer cases in India. A lot of different cancers are associated with obesity, as you can see here. Now, the base, because of the fact obesity has become an epidemic in the world, uh, the, the World Health Organization has put out guidelines that adults should engage in 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity per week. And what the moderate intensity physical activity means is that uh, either brisk walking or treadmill or bicycle, either that or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity activity, which could include running or playing active sports. So it's very important to increase physical activity in our daily routine. And this will be focused more in some of the upcoming lectures in the next, in the few next few days. Healthy diet is very important to incorporate and that can help to overcome obesity. So eating foods that are high in nutrients and low in calories, vegetables that have dark, that are dark green, red, and uh, fiber-rich legumes, so beans and peas, fruits and whole grains, and limiting things that are high in red and processed meats, sugar-sweetened beverages, like the Coca-Cola and the carbonated beverages that are available, and highly processed foods should be avoided. One should try to limit alcohol consumption. Now, unfortunately, alcohol consumption has been going up in India in the recent past. And alcohol is associated with many different types of cancer, including oral cavity cancer, larynx, which is basically the voice box, liver cancer, esophagus cancer. Esophagus is a tube that connects the mouth to the stomach. In women, breast cancer and colon cancer. And currently, their guidelines suggest that it's best to not drink alcohol. But if one must drink alcohol, then it should be limited to less than one drink per day in women and less than two drinks per day in men. Now, the top three cancers, breast cancer, lip, and oral cavity cancer, and cervical cancer, the good news is that even though they comprise 34% of the cancers that are present in India at present, these top three cancers can be detected early and prevented. So what can be done about that? So first, I'm going to mention about cervical cancer. To remind you again, cervix is an organ that is present just below the uterus in women. And it's a very common cause of cancer in women in India. What causes cervical cancer? Virus. So there are these two viruses, HPV, which is human papilloma virus, 16 and 18, 
those are the most common uh, causes of cervical cancer. Cervical cancer has a 10 to 20 year precancerous state, meaning before it becomes cancerous for 10 to 20 years, it is in this precancerous state. And the reason that's important to know is that if you can identify or pick this cancer in its precancerous state, then you can potentially not have cervical cancer. And how do you pick it up? By the doctors doing either visual inspection, pap smears, or HPV DNA testing. So the World Health Organization has recommended that in, in resource poor countries, a woman should get screened for cervical cancer at least once in her lifetime. And once that is achieved, screening for cervical cancer should occur at more regular intervals, five years or 10 years. And that should happen for women who are above the age of 30. There's also an availability of this HPV vaccine that has now become available to prevent getting cervical cancer. Um, now, the, the same virus, the HPV, it causes cervical cancer in women, but in men, it can cause cancer of the penis and it can also cause genital warts. So this vaccine is available for both boys and girls. And there is a two-dose regimen that is available for boys and girls to take uh, less than 15 years of age. So this is something to bring up with your primary care doctor who is able to provide this vaccine. Now the oral cancer. So oral cancer is caused by tobacco smoking, so cigarettes or BDs, but also by smokeless tobacco use, which includes uh, uh, the pan, the beetle quit chewing, um, and uh, areca nut uh, and sweeteners and alcohol. These are all common causes of oral cancer. Um, the same the virus that I mentioned that can cause cervical cancer in the prior slide, it can also cause oropharynx cancer. Oropharynx is basically the par part of our throat, which is just behind the mouth. And even Oral cancer has precancerous lesions, meaning before cancer is formed, it leaves like uh, produces a whitish substance in our mouth that one can easily detect by visual examination. So, in a high risk population, so people who smoke tobacco or chew tobacco uh, after the age of 35, they should get screening every three years in high risk population. Um, I was actually in India uh, at Tata Memorial Hospital a few years ago, and uh, I witnessed their screening program. They have an excellent screening program for oral cancer and cervical cancer. So everyone in Mumbai should try to take advantage of their screening services. Breast cancer, which is also the th within the top three cancers in India. It's, it should be detected by breast exam. So most of the times the lumps are identified by women uh, when they are showering. And mammograms and ultrasounds for, uh, for women between the age of 40 and 60 years should be done every three years. And for women who have a family history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer, which is cancer, cancer of the ovaries, they should get screening at an even younger age. So these are, again, things to bring up to your primary care doctor. So what are the potential signs and symptoms of cancer? Now, the, the ones that I have listed here, they don't necessarily mean that you have cancer. So you don't have to get uh, panicked when you have one of these symptoms. 
um, for example, a new lump anywhere in the body, a sore that is not healing. There is a mole that is changing size or shape, blood in the stools or in the urine, change in bowel habits, change in the voice, difficulty passing urine, in unexplained weight loss, after attaining menopause, if a woman is having bleeding, unexplained pain or aches, these are all potential signs. And one should not freak out about it, but also one should not leave it uh, ignored. That is one of the things that I have seen a lot of times when patients just ignore that, oh, nothing's going to happen. This is just going to go away. I'm not going to bring it up to the doctor. Otherwise, things will get worse. Those are things I think that are um, the source of ignorance. And I think we should completely avoid that. Now I'm going to switch gears and talk a little bit about the different types of cancer therapies. I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but I'm happy to answer questions regarding this later on. So whenever someone talks about treating cancer, basically there are two different approaches. One is local therapy. And what local therapy means is that you try to treat the cancer directly. And that can be done either by surgery or radiation therapy. So surgery is basically going in and removing the cancer. It can be used to either diagnose or treat the cancer. And usually surgery is performed when the cancer has not spread. So it's limited to one organ so that the surgeon can go in and remove all the cancer. Usually when a patient has cancer that has spread from the original organ to a different place in the body, surgery is usually avoided because surgery, the goal of surgery is essentially to see if we are able to cure the cancer or decrease the bulk of the cancer. And the other type of radiation, uh, other type of local therapy that's commonly used is called radiation therapy, which is nothing but high energy X-ray beams that are directed against the tumor to try to kill the cancer. The other type of cancer therapy is what we call systemic therapy. And what that means is treatment that goes everywhere in the body. And the first type of systemic therapy is called hormonal therapy. Now, hormonal therapy is commonly used in breast cancer and prostate cancer because these cancers tend to respond to the changes in the levels of hormones in breast cancer, estrogen, and in prostate cancer, testosterone. But it's not used in all other different types of cancers. Chemotherapy is something that everyone has heard about. And chemotherapy is a type of systemic therapy that can either be given IV, meaning in the vein, or it can be given by mouth. And it's supposed to go everywhere in the body and try to kill cancer cells. Sometimes when people have an initial tumor that spreads and they pay, the person has surgery, then to kill any residual cancer cells that may still be present in the body, chemotherapy is used. And now more recently, there is a type of treatment called immunotherapy that has come about. Immunotherapy is a type of medicine. The way it works is that it stimulates the body's immune system to fight cancer. Immunotherapy has shown a lot of promise in the past five to 10 years, and it's used in multiple cancers like lung cancer, skin cancer, kidney cancer, um, bladder cancer, and so on and so forth. And basically what it does is it releases the breaks off of the body's immune system so that the body's own immune system can attack cancer. And it's, it, uh, it has shown a lot of promise recently. 
So in the next few slides, I'm going to be going into the, some of the facts and myths about cancer. So patients a lot of times ask me, you know, I, I've read on the internet, uh, eating sugar makes cancer worse. Is it true or false? Now, in general, cancer cells do consume more glucose or sugar than normal cells, but there are no studies that have shown that eating sugar will make cancer worse or stopping sugar will make cancer shrink. So I, don't, I tell patients that you do need to take sugar because sugar is a fuel for our brain. So we do need glucose in the body. However, as I mentioned before, obesity is one of the risk factors for cancer. So avoid a high sugar diet because a high sugar diet can lead to weight gain, obesity, also heart cardiovascular risk, which is increasing heart disease and also risk for cancer. So in that sense, I would say one should try to limit a high sugar diet. Another co common myth is cancer is contagious. Is that true? Contagious meaning it can go from, it can be passed on from one individual to another. And I would, and the answer in general is no. The only situation where cancer can spread from one person to another is if someone who has cancer donates their organ to someone else and that could lead to cancer passing on to the other individual. But in general, when, you, when uh, caregivers are taking care of their family members with cancer, they are not going to contract cancer from the patient. There are some other types of cancers that, that, which are caused by viruses, like the human papilloma virus and the uh, bacteria, like H. pylori bacteria, which can cause um, stomach cancers. And these viruses and bacteria, they can spread uh, from person to person. Um, however, uh, the cancer itself cannot spread. Another question that's commonly asked is that, if someone in my family has cancer, then there is a chance that I will get cancer too. Not always true. Majority of the cancers are not inherited, which means it's not in the DNA when you are born. And all the, can the risks for cancers and mutations are acquired during your lifetime. But about 5 to 10% of the cancers, and I mentioned before about the BRCA1 mutation, they can be caused by um, harmful mutations that can be inherited from parents. A lot of people ask me, a lot of my patients in the U.S. ask me, can I take you know, vitamins? What, what supplements can I take to prevent or treat cancer? Unfortunately, there is not enough proof that multivitamins or mineral supplements can help to prevent cancer. Usually what I tell my patients is that it's okay to take a one-a-day type of medication or vitamin over the counter, but I would avoid taking mega doses of vitamins. So there are some people who get intravenous vitamin C or high dose vitamin C or high dose vitamin A. And some of those cancers, those can actually be harmful for you. One of the things that I would recommend if someone has questions about any herbs or anything like that is to visit a website by Memorial Sloan Kettering called About Herbs. And this particular website is very handy. So you can actually go in this website and you can type any herb. So for example, if you're curious about, let's say, um, trifla or turmeric or anything like that, and you're not sure whether you can take that along with chemotherapy, for example, you can go to this Memorial Sloan Kettering About Herbs website and you can just type the name of the herb. 
and it will give all the information about it, including uh, citations about um, you know whether there is an interaction between a particular herb and some allopathic medicine or not. So I find this really helpful uh, and it can be a good tool. Finally, I want to end this talk by talking about how to cope with cancer. So by now I have given you so much information and I'm sure I've scared you about cancer and it is scary to have cancer. Um, nobody wants to hear the C word. Um, what's important, however, is cancer is very common, but there are ways to prevent it. And the way you wanna do that is by adopting screening and prevention, the ones that I mentioned. You know, not for all cancers, we don't have a way to screen and prevent, but the cancers for which we do, for example, the oral cancer, cervical cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, take advantage of the screening options that are available. Early detection is key. Most cancers when detected at an early stage before it has spread from the original organ to a different organ can be cured. And so listen to your body's signs. And if there is any symptom, don't be afraid to seek medical advice. Don't think that if I just don't worry about it, it will go away. That usually doesn't happen. Another part I would suggest is that involving the patient. So in, in India, I have seen a lot of times that um, the uh, family wants to protect the patient and not inform the patient about cancer because they worry that involving the patient will make the patient give up or go into depression. But my experience treating patients has been that if you involve the patient along with the family, then in general, the care of the patient goes much better. It also relieves some of the burden from the caregiver and involving the patient can help in important decision-making. It can also help in planning about what's, what are we going to do if things don't go well. Next, I would recommend is building a good relationship with your doctor. I cannot emphasize this enough. I have heard so many families just being scared to talk to their doctor because if they ask the doctor a question, then the doctor is going to think that you don't trust them. That is not true. In fact, doctors realize that patients are not aware with, uh, about this and are already overwhelmed. So pl please ask your doctors hard questions, difficult questions, ask repeated questions until you are satisfied. Caregiver emotional burden is often understated and it's very important for caregivers to split the burden and not have to go through this by yourself because if the caregiver is not strong enough to take care of the patient, then the patient's care is also going to suffer. Finally, support groups. So if you go to National Cancer Institute website and search support groups, I just looked at it today and they have 104 support groups. So these support groups are for multiple different reasons. It is for the caregiver, it's for the patient. You could find other patients with the same type of cancer that you have, across the world and find out how they are getting treatment and how they are coping with treatment. Um, and so I think it's important for patients to realize that they are not alone and there is a whole world out there who is there to support them. Um, that's all I had today and I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, once again, I wanna thank you for this opportunity to present today. 
Thank you so much, Pooja. And now I think it's time for the participants to ask any questions based on the vast information you have shared. Uh, hello, Pooja, ma'am. Yes, hi. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Ranjita. Um, actually, uh, my husband, uh, he's uh, 42 years old. Uh, we recently, like three weeks back, we, uh, we got to know that um, uh, he has uh, lung cancer with uh, brain metastasis. Uh, um, and uh, his history is something like he doesn't smoke and he doesn't have any bad habits. Um, really, we are shocked. Uh, and presently, uh, he's undergoing uh, radiotherapy. Uh, and uh, we are waiting for uh, the report. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I request, uh, and also uh, 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 just wanted to know uh, what will be uh, good for him now at this stage uh, and uh, your guidance to me. I'm sorry to hear about your husband. It's it's indeed like very sad to have that at such a young age. You know, there are some types of cancers that lung cancer that happen in people who have never smoked in their life. Um, some of them have mutations in their tumor. Um, specifically, there's a type of mutation called EGFR. Um, so um, it's going to be hard for me to give you advice without knowing everything about your husband. But what I would recommend is I want to make sure that they send his tumor tissue for molecular testing. Uh, because at least in the United States, lung cancer can, uh, the treatment for it is uh, fully based on molecular testing. So making sure that the tumor tissue was sent out for genetic mutation testing. So trying to figure out what mutations there are because lung cancer is not one disease anymore based on the different mutations. There are different types of treatments one would get. Um, um, you know, I, uh, it would be hard for me to advise you specifically for your husband what to do. I can only uh, advise you generally right now. I hope that was helpful. Okay, yeah, thanks. Uh, Actually, we have uh, sent the testing for immunohistochemistry. Uh, we are waiting for the report. Uh, so once the report come, maybe, uh, uh, actually we are staying in Bangalore. Uh, I think uh, we do not get uh, genetic tests and all done in Bangalore. Uh, I think we have to send it to Mumbai or some other different location. Uh, so uh, Chandru, right, Chandru, um, I can guide you with that uh, in Bangalore or Mumbai uh, where it can be done, uh, the genetic testing and molecular testing, what Dr. Puja is talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. We are doing it for uh, cancer patients. So I will just leave my number here and then I can guide you on the same after the session. Okay, and I have one more question. Um, uh, he's having a three-year-old and um, nine-year-old so is there any uh, kind of uh, uh, test we have to undergo with the kids uh, to check whether they also in future maybe to avoid uh, something like this? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of it depends upon um, the family history. If there are any other cancers in general, lung, if lung cancer is the only cancer in the family uh, that, you know, your husband has, then the chances that your children would have or, or his children would have inherited that uh, mutation is um, 
very low. So um, I would say that in general, you would not need to rush to genetic testing uh, unless there is a high family history of cancer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, ma'am. Preeti here. Hello, Pooja, ma'am. Yes, hi. Yeah, hi, ma'am. Uh, ma'am, my husband, he got detected with um, thyroid carcinoma in 2018, May. And uh, he got operated, his entire thyroid gland got removed and then my our doctor said uh, i mean he uh, we should not give him uh, iodine therapy but he should be under observation and every six months we have to do thyroglobulin test so in 2018 when we did thyroglobulin test in october that time reading came normal but when in 2019, uh, April, we did thyroglobulin test. It came high. It was around 540 something. So doctor told us to go for PET scan and then go for iodine therapy. And he uh, told us to do that uh, slide review of his gland. So we did uh, slide review two times because doctor was not convinced. He said in first review, it came poorly differentiated carcinoma of thyroid gland. So he was like, um, because my husband is 40 years old. So he said, uh, I mean, for this age, it won't be, I mean, it's very rare. So he told us to repeat the test. We, did, uh, we repeated the uh, test and same thing came poorly differentiated carcinoma. Mm -hmm. He advised us to go for PET scan. And in when we did PET scan in 2019, uh, there were some nodules in his lungs and retroclavicular area. So doctor said, uh, see, in your case, it is poorly differentiated carcinoma. So it's like go for iodine therapy. But again, there are chances of 50-50. Mm -hmm. We cannot say anything. So we did scanning and by grace of God that uh, cells took the iodine and then doctor did iodine therapy. But again, he said uh, he will be under observation. We repeated PET scan uh, this year in uh, 2020, one month back. Again, uh, it was like uh, there were some nodules which has increased in size, but it's like 1920. It has not gone too much. So doctor said, uh, we'll wait for some time and, you know, then we can take any decision. And meanwhile, we have started with Ayurvedic treatment also. Because, you know, there were a lot of questions in our mind and we were like, because doctors are saying in your case, we cannot say anything. I mean, we cannot say it's uh, it will be cured 90% because it is poorly differentiated carcinoma. And ma'am, my husband, he's like, he's fit and fine. He's going to work. He's doing everything. What he told me, Preeti, I'm not feeling anything. I'm, I mean, internally also, I'm not feeling anything i'm doing my work and i'm active i mean he does his exercise everything all the routine he's following he told me then why this is coming i mean i'm not feeling that i'm sick yeah. and uh, yeah and one more question ma'am see i was giving uh, uh, him naturopath diet because i'm i'm myself i'm a dietitian but uh, when i switched to ayurvedic treatment 
they told me to give him milk milk products and you know carb uh, in for breakfast and lunch and for dinner so i don't know somehow i'm not convinced with that because naturopath and ayurveda they are totally different in naturopath we say use a lot of raw food uh, uh, take green veggies and you know uh, there are certain juice which we can include but ayurveda they say totally different because doctor told us not to follow any raw food diet so you know there is lot of confusion at this stage in my mind so wanted to clear that yeah uh, thanks preeti for that question so first i will say that i agree with the treatment uh, course that your doctor has suggested i would have recommended the same so um, i think you are on the right track the other question you asked about why does he not have any symptoms it's actually very very common for a lot of people who uh, have cancer that has spread to not have any symptoms especially okay. young people young and fit people a lot of times they because their body has a lot of reserve um mm. even if there is cancer growing in the body sometimes they don't feel it and mm. that's the reason why we do these scans and things like that to pick up sooner than than when he would start having symptoms um mm. uh, the third question about you know ayurveda and natural therapy i think that some of the to- upcoming talks in the next few days will probably yeah. be able to answer those questions uh, you know with much better expertise um, uh, than myself uh, so i would okay. probably refer that to them okay thank you so much ma'am hello pooja ma'am yes hi hello pooja ma'am hi Hey, ma'am, I have a question. That uh, uh, does it matter if one goes with the generic drugs or the branded drugs for the chemotherapy? Uh, uh, no, it should not matter. Uh, I would. One of the things I would double check is. Uh, so I had an experience of working in uh, uh, Tata Memorial Cancer, Kolkata, and yes. uh, one of the things that I sort of learned from there is that sometimes the drugs that are are given, they are just like. watered down or there is like there is no good regulation is what i have heard in india as far as you know how uh, the, these drugs they they don't come from one manufacturer and so it's hard to sort of guide uh, so so in general there is some concern about that that i have heard from physicians in india um but i would in general i would say that it doesn't matter whether it's a generic or brand because there is vast variation in the prices also Yeah. Of the yep. Tell me about that. Like yeah. I have heard some of the good drugs, Pfizer and Fresenius Cabi. Uh, I thought these are good drugs, but uh, there are some uh, generic drugs also which are being used in the chemotherapy. So yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I have another question. Mom, that the 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 calcium supplements that are given to women's. like mostly shellcal is rec- uh, prescribed here in india and yes. some uh, b complex neurobion which people are taking i have seen on the uh, that they have some titanium iodide <laughs> present in it so they have whitish coating because of the titanium dioxide which i researched and checked that it has it is a carcinogen uh, it's a carcinogen in it okay So, so whether uh, a cancer patient should take these supplements having titanium dioxide written on it um i would say that it is okay to take the medication so 
in general, you know, everything, if you Google, you may find that there is a link to cancer. Pretty much any, you know, anything that you look up, you may be able to find it. But in general, uh, you know, these small quantities of uh, these uh, uh, metals that are present in the vitamin, uh, you know, over-the-counter vitamin tablets, they don't necessarily cause uh, cancer. I would say that if your doctor has recommended the use of calcium, or for in women in general to prevent osteoporosis, you should continue to take it, and I wouldn't worry about the risk. Okay, and ma'am, in breast cancer, uh, do we have the option of going for bone scan uh, for the uh, stage one breast cancer? I, uh, yeah, yeah. Do we so have the option of bone 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 scan? Because I underwent surgery in November two thousand twenty, and my BCS was done. And uh, the tumor was around two to three centimeters. And, uh, and now the doctors uh, uh, said that it's a stage one cancer. So uh, it's, uh, I mean, I can go for bone scan or I may not go. That doesn't matter much. So, right. or, or any other scan, because uh, I have not undergone any other scan like CT scan. Just my lump was detected and it was operated and BCS was done. And after that, now I am on uh, chemotherapy. So, uh, so what I'm worrying is that if there is any other issue in the body, how would we know about it? And the second thing is that if if the scan is not required, because these also have side effects, so whether what should I decide whether I should go for any other scan or not? Yeah, so that's a good question. In general, for um, so the um, you know we follow the NCCN guidelines, which is the National Cancer Center guidelines in the U.S. and uh, Basically, for patients who have uh, breast cancer that has been uh, treated, we do not recommend CT scans or bone scans in general. We usually depend, rely on patient symptoms. Um, uh, while breast cancer does have a tendency to spread to the uh, bones, it's much less common than uh, spread to any of the other organs. And so if you really felt that you, need, you should get some sort of screening, then I would say probably go with CT scan rather than doing a bone scan because it has lesser yield. Okay. And ma'am, hormonal therapy, which, which, which is given for the breast cancer, so these hormonal therapies should be started after chemo and radiation or they should be started along with the chemotherapy? Uh, it's usually after uh, chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Uh, and doctor, I had a question. Uh, you know, I have a family history. My mother passed away because of cancer. Her mother, her sister, her brother, they all had cancer. So I just got a, you know, DNA testing done uh, outside and two cancer forms came on high risk. One was pancreatic and the other one was prostate. So the doctor just told me you do a PSA test every year. So that was one advice he gave. But uh, I just wanted to know for pancreatic cancer, you know, what are the symptoms and how can one take care of it? Yeah, so two points. One is that, um, are you aware when they did the genetic testing on your in your blood, which gene was mutated? Did you, did you, do you know the name of that? So I, I'll just pick up that report and I'll, I'll, you know, send it on the chat. I don't remember it offhand. I'll just okay. pick it up right now. Yep. Uh, so, um, you know, it sounds like there is a type of uh, gene called BRCA, B-R-C-A which has a high risk of prostate, pancreatic, breast, and ovarian cancers. And uh, uh, so uh, that would be one of the things I would be worried about. Now for prostate cancer, I agree there is a screening test, a PSA test, which is a simple blood test that can be done. For pancreatic cancer, unfortunately, there is no real screening that is done. 
uh, pancreatic cancer symptoms usually are weight loss, abdominal pain, um, uh, indigestion. So the symptoms of pancreatic cancer are, are really vague. They are not very specific. And there is also no easy way to get screening for that. So in general, we don't recommend uh, screening for pancreatic cancer with CT scans every year or anything like that. Uh, but uh, certainly the history that you mentioned sounds very, um, you know, it's very suspicious. And, and so one of the things you could also do is talk to a genetic counselor. So over here we have, you know, patients who we have have a high risk for uh, hereditary cancers. We refer them to genetic counselors uh, who are able to provide a, a good uh, regime of when you should get screening, what based on the available data. Uh, so uh, that's something you could pursue. Thank you very much. Hi, doctor. Uh, my mom, I'm speaking on behalf of my mother. Um, she currently has triple negative breast cancer, which has, uh, which has spread to the lungs. So metastatic triple negative breast cancer. We've gone through about six to seven different uh, lines of treatment. Uh, this includes uh, erebulin, uh, this includes capsidabine, um, uh, nap paxlidaxel, and all of these other medications. Uh, most recently, we treated her with nap and in a combination with uh, another drug. Um, and we gave her about uh, 18 rounds of chemotherapy treatment. So at the, at, the, at the 12th or 15th mark, we did a PET scan and the result was very good. Uh, it was, um, the disease had, uh, you know, uh, significantly reduced, but after the third or fourth scan post the, post that the disease seems to have increased again. So the doctor has recommended, uh, a medication called, uh, Sacetizumab govitacin, which recently got FDA approval, if I'm not wrong. Uh, unfortunately, this is only, uh, you know, available in the U S so my, so I'm in India, I'm based in India. I was wondering if you think the drug is worth the effort of sourcing it and importing it into India because uh, uh, it's extremely expensive. I think to the tune of six to seven thousand US dollars, the entire logistical effort. Um, and of course that uh, it's not just for one dose, right? This would we'd probably require six to seven doses. So if you think that it would make a significant difference or if there is any other line of medication that's new and probably more easily available. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I agree that sacitizumab govitecan is now, you know, FDA approved for uh, triple negative breast cancer. Uh, in general, when patients have metastatic triple negative breast cancer, the treatments are usually different types of chemotherapies that you mentioned. Uh, in those who have, uh, you know, uh, something called as PDL1 uh, positive triple negative breast cancer, that's something that's identified by immunohistochemistry. Uh, they can also get immunotherapy um, that is also currently approved. So we've done PDL1 testing using SP142 Ventana assay, and uh, the results are not great. So we don't think uh, PDL1 uh, immunotherapy would work. Okay. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, there are not other great options that are available for uh, triple negative breast cancer. You know, patients like this if over here, we would usually enroll them onto clinical trials. Um, mm. um, have they done molecular testing, like uh, sending sent the tumor tissue for molecular testing? NGS testing. Yeah, we've done NGS testing. Is that the same? Yeah. yeah okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. are there any targetable mutations that they identified from that? No, unfortunately not. We couldn't do that either. But that's doctor said immunotherapy will not. Work. Yeah, immunotherapy, immunotherapy is ruled out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it's uh, negative. Yeah. 
Correct. It, I mean, it was it was like zero to one, okay. uh, very low, yeah. very low score. So, so in terms of the drug, uh, Govitasan, do you think it's worth the effort then to go through the entire uh, logistical effort to bring it to India? Um, you know, I uh, I don't know the details about the efficacy of this particular drug in uh, breast cancer, but I can certainly uh, look up and let you know um, if you want to shoot me an email later on. Okay, thank you so much. I'll do that. Email okay. address? Is yeah. that available? Uh, okay. Doctor's email address. Madam, uh, hello. Uh, yep. Madam, Doctor. Madam, for the stage one, uh, her two new positive uh, breast cancer, uh, how many cycles of trastuzumab is compulsorily to be taken? This is uh, stage one. Stage one. Her two, her two new positive. For, so, trastuzumab cycles, how many cycles should necessarily be taken by the patient? So, in general, over here, we recommend they should complete Herceptin for a year, adjuvant therapy. Yeah. Okay. So, there are I just 17 or 15 the... cycles, madam? Yeah, so it's like given every three weeks. So, uh, yeah. 17 or 18 cycles, madam? Yes. Yes, that that would be about that would be right. Whatever yeah. five years. Uh, doctor, I just pulled up the report that you wanted. Uh, there are three genes that have got mutated. The first one is NRSA2. The second one is ABO, and the third one is FABSL1. Uh, is I'm sorry, I don't know which person this is referring this question. Uh, yeah, I, yeah uh, I had asked you this question on pancreatic cancer actually. So you told me to okay. look up oh, the okay. genetic okay. report. So, I, so none of those genes so three, sound, uh, none of those genes sounded yeah, like a typical syndrome of uh, cancer. Um, yeah. Is there anything uh, like okay. MSH2, MSH6, MLH1, BRCA, um, anything like that? No, these are the three. Only three have been mentioned here. That's all. Okay. The these are not. There are no known syndromes that are directly associated with mutations in those. But it's not uncommon for us to have patients with very strong family history of cancers, and we are not able to identify any known mutation. And that's because uh, we just don't know that much about this field. There may. There are many more uh, genes mutations that are probably associated with hereditary uh, cancers that we don't know about yet. Sure. Thank you. Good afternoon, ma'am. May I speak? Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, ma'am. Okay, I'm Vikas calling. I'm a 55-year-old person calling from Chandigarh. Uh, I was detected with the GPM last March, ma'am, and I was operated upon thereafter and underwent uh, uh, radiation sessions and followed by chemotherapy of uh, tomazolamide completed six sessions. In December, I had a small reoccurrence and thereafter I was advised to undergo a fractionated uh, SRT, uh, high-dose SRT, uh, which I underwent at Bombay. And uh, now I'm undergoing uh, chemo with the Avestin and uh, one more drug they're combining with that. I'm forgetting the name. So I just wanted to, I've got two queries. Firstly, I just wanted to check is the line of treatment correct? That is one. Second is that uh, you enumerated a lot of uh, causative factors for the cancer to happen. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't have any of those causative factors like uh, smoking, drinking, obesity, 
uh, exposure to radiation and any of those those things but still it was there and that is fait accompli i don't uh, um, have any cribs about it ki why did i get it 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 had to happen so it had happened so i'm taking it that part as positively but uh, my thing is ki what is the next course of action uh, after this uh, for my uh, treatment how as for the reports are concerned uh, i'll share it with you uh, because i don't have the reports with me i'm in the office right now so i'll share it with you online with on a mail email id and thereafter you can uh, we can discuss it out maybe on the email or uh, as it's convenient to you thank you ma'am i'm sorry to hear vikas that you are going through this uh, thank you for joining the call today i agree with the treatment uh, line that is ongoing um so uh, you know unfortunately uh, gbm is a nasty cancer um and uh, i'm glad that your cancer has been staying under good control um there have not been any known causation causative factors for this glioblastoma multiforme brain tumor and uh, and you know you you don't have to take it upon yourself because it's just something that we don't have any data to really find a good uh, causative factor so um, yeah i'm not a brain cancer expert so um, you know if you have questions about like end line of treatment i'm happy to you know uh, get get uh, recommendations from someone who treats mainly brain cancers because that field has become very very specialized now Hello, madam. Uh, this is Sudip Tawhir. Can we have an email ID so that we can communicate uh, later on this? Uh, sure. Um, I will. I'll. Uh, I'll give it to Dr. Singhi, and she can then uh, send it to you Fine. guys. Fair enough, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Hello, hello, madam. Uh, this is Sudip Tawhir. This question uh, uh, regarding my father, who has uh, detected uh, prostate cancer in uh, uh, September last year in 2020. So. it was found that his psa level is 100 plus and uh, the this is a fourth stage uh, metastatic uh, prostate cancer and mm-hmm. uh, they have given the pemorelin hormone therapy and mm-hmm. uh, you know after a quarterly review we found out that the psa level coming down to uh, 0.12 so, right. so so yeah thank you madam so i just wanted to know can we delay this uh, radiation process uh, further or uh, this hormone therapy is uh, good enough to to take for another 2 3 quarter or how to you know progress for the treatment were they planning to do radiation therapy to the prostate uh yes actually you are in uh, in touch with two of the oncologists first is the medical oncologist who given the hormone therapy uh, mm-hmm. pamorelin and after that they said that uh, for further action you can consult the radiation with uh, i haven't uh, gone for yet so yeah. so i just wanted to know should i as the psa level has decreased uh, you know should i go immediately for the radiation therapy or you know i can wait for some time for the radiation therapy yeah so prostate cancer is my area of expertise so i can definitely guide you for this particular case so uh, the first question first point is that whenever someone has metastatic prostate cancer which means cancer that is spread from prostate to other parts of the body in general we cannot cure this type of cancer so this hormonal therapy that uh, they are taking right now is to sort of keep the testosterone levels low to keep the cancer under control the natural history of this disease 
is that so long as the hormone therapy is continuing in the over the uh, next months to years, uh, the person is going to remain hormone sensitive, which means that the cancers are going, cancer cells are going to stay under control. But sometime down the road, and that could be a uh, few months, few years, some of the cancer cells are going to become resistant to hormonal therapy. So uh, definitely should continue the hormonal therapy. Uh, the date, there is some data about whether or not to radiate prostate in people with metastatic prostate cancer. And basically what the data suggests is that- uh, Just a moment, madam. I, I will stop you for a moment. He's 67 years old. That's why I am not sure whether, you know, this radiation will have an adverse impact or not. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, please, please continue. Uh, Thank you. So uh, it depends upon what the volume of the cancer is. So there is there was a study that was done in patients with metastatic prostate cancer. Half of them just got hormonal therapy, no radiation therapy. And the other half of them got hormonal therapy along with radiation therapy to the prostate. And basically what, and it was a very big study. What the study found is that in people who have cancer that has spread to less than four places in the body, less than four bones, which is what they called low volume cancer, those patients benefited from radiation to the prostate. But people who have high volume cancer, which has spread to more than four places or four bones in the body, then those people did not benefit. So in your uh, uh, dad's case, if this is you know high volume, then I would say you don't need to rush to get uh, radiation to the, to the prostate right now. But if it is um, a low, you know, low volume cancer, meaning that the cancer has only spread to one or two places, then radiation to the prostate can help in the long run. But I agree, but I agree it's not something you need to rush to do right away. You, you could even wait a little more. Uh, thank you, madam. So can I share the, you know, PET CT scan, which I have done in September, uh, sorry, October 2020. So I, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, whether it is a high volume or low volume. Nobody told me my oncologist. So can I have a, you know, I, I will... Can I get in touch with you just to go through whether it's a high volume or low volume and whether you should, uh, you know, go for the radiation or not? We will, uh, so we'll do one thing, everyone. Uh, thing, first of all, thank you so much, Dr. Pooja. And thank you, everyone, for your queries, questions and uh, contribution. To make it uh, uh, systematic, I would do one thing. I have shared a form link in the chat. So, मेरा आप सबसे request रहेगा कि आप लोग वो एक form भर दीजिए छोटा सा. So क्या होगा कि हर session के बाद में we would share a couple of details about the session. We will share um, doctor's email ID. We will share video of this session and we will share updates on uh, upcoming sessions which are coming. And if any other sessions are happening on integrative oncology, you will receive the regular updates on the email. So that and also I have shared in the chat ek integrative oncology group ka link bheja hai. So those who want to be in touch on WhatsApp, they can uh, join that group. And if you have any query about the speaker, let's say today is Dr. Pooja, the medical oncologist, then you can uh, fill the form and uh, all the people who are filling up the form, we will share the email ID uh, with you so that you can uh, connect with the doctor directly. And um, I'm really sorry we are running short on time, so could I not able to take all the questions, but would be happy to answer everybody's queries. We'll ensure that no query remains unanswered. And I've also shared a form, WhatsApp group, and uh, for my phone number. So any queries regarding anything, uh, get in touch and we'll ensure that we uh, answered for all of you. Um, really uh, One great. One last question. So you could uh, have your questions uh, on the link which uh, Dimple has shared because 
we are going strictly by time i really understand the need and what a person goes through and with the immense knowledge which dr pooja has shared in fact it's become more like an online consultation for all of us and with the simplicity with which she has shared it which even common people like us can understand what goes and what happens with regards to in, into the body and tomorrow we will be talking about what happens in the emotional self the mental self so there's huge plethora which is there and i i am sure dr pooja has lots to offer us but because of the lack of time and she being a researcher we truly understand her time so time is so precious and she is we are really honored to have you on this platform dr pooja because you have given us so much insight into what the particular diseases and how one can find the ray of hope and it was a pleasure to start and have the opening of this session with your wonderful talk it was so insightful despite your busy schedule you have accommodated us and have ready to be a part of it thank you so much dr pooja and all the participants your dimple has shared the uh, link with you please join the link you will be well scaffolded and we have experts who will be able to help you through this journey this is just a journey please do not take it as a destination there is always a ray of hope thank you doctor so much dr pooja thank you dimple and thanks to each one of you for being here and see you all tomorrow with much more now today you have understood the disease tomorrow let us see the mental and emotional wellness so looking forward to seeing all of you and keep smiling there is always a ray of hope and love heals anything in this world thank you so much dr pooja and thank you dimple thank you to all of you on that note have a wonderful day and week ahead see you all for the next progressive sessions which are going to happen henceforth bye bye for now thank you and namaste thank you.